Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. Last week, we launched into a new sermon series called Overwhelmed, When Too Much is Too Much. And what we're talking about is the fact that every one of us can get overwhelmed, stressed out, burnt out. We can get stressed by our life circumstances and what's going on. And so we decided to say, this is probably something we need to talk about. And as I was researching this series, uh, I came across this stat, and it was a Canadian study done in 2014, where they said that 71% of Canadians in this study said that they were either highly stressed or under a fair bit of stress on a regular basis. 71%. And what we kind of pointed out is, hey, there's 29% that figured out how to live with minimal or no stress at all, because those were the other two options on there. And so we said, how do we figure out how to live with minimal or no stress? But when we're stressed out, when we're overwhelmed, when we're, when we're kind of at the end of our rope, there's this thing that can happen called burnout. And that's kind of what we're focusing on with this series, is what happens when we get burnt out. So last week was all about this, we used the term triage. How do we diagnose when we are getting burnt out? How do we recognize when we're reaching that point where too much has become too much? And just so we, we can start on the same page today, this is the definition that we used last week when we're talking about definition, about burnout. We're saying burnout is when a passionate and committed person becomes deeply disillusioned with their circumstances or their career and all their enthusiasm gets taken away. And so there's a couple, I'm just going to recap a couple points of this. Burnout happens when we care about something. Something we hate, something we don't want to do rarely burns us out because we get burnt out because we care about things, because we want them to succeed, because we want them to do well. And burnout is often characterized by this becoming disillusioned with what you're doing and feeling like you've kind of lost the sense of meaning and purpose that happened with it. And along with burnout, our enthusiasm starts getting taken away. We lose the enthusiasm for the things that we cared about. And so that's that's kind of our, our overarching definition of burnout that we're, we're working on with this sermon series. And so last week, like I said, we were talking about triage and diagnosis. How do we recognize it? And we wrapped up by talking about this. The, the, the key point to remember is you didn't burn out in one day. You won't fix it in one day. Recovery from burnout, from being overwhelmed, is something that takes time. It's going to take changes. It's going to take effort. And so today we're talking about the next step. So after you've diagnosed and recognized, maybe I'm reaching burnout, now's the time to say, what is critical care? Today we're talking about this critical care, kind of this, what is the first step you need to do to start turning around your path of maybe you're heading into burnout, maybe you feel like you're already burnt out, maybe you're on the recovery side of it already, or maybe burnout's just never been on your radar, and this gets to just be a tool that you get to stick in your pocket um, if it ever does come up. So today is critical care. What are the most important things? And we're going to talk about two tools that I want to give you for you to be able to stick in your toolbox and hold on to. So this first tool is something called STAR. Now, STAR is an acronym that we're going to walk through here together. And this is a really simple tool that that, uh, a friend of mine taught to me, and it's been something that's helped me out a lot. And so we're just going to walk through these four steps of STAR. First one, stop. Don't react immediately. See, too often... When we're feeling stressed, when we're feeling overwhelmed, 
we tend to react without thinking, especially when we're stressed out. And in fact, part of being stressed is our body is constantly producing adrenaline. Now, adrenaline is a good thing in certain situations. You know, we've heard the stories of like people lifting cars off their kids when they have that surge of adrenaline when they need to. But if your body's constantly giving you adrenaline because of your stress levels, that's not good in long term. That actually starts affecting your brain chemistry in some really negative ways. And so our instinct Whenever we're overwhelmed, whenever we're burnt out, is we try to say, how do I work harder to get this done? How do I just do more to solve this issue? But the problem is, is doing more doesn't solve the issue. We have to do something different. And so the first step, when you start feeling yourself getting overwhelmed or stressed or burnt out, just stop for a moment. Just stop. Don't react to it. Just stop. And the second step, take a breath. One long, slow, do it with me. Just one long, slow inhale. One long, slow exhale. When you do that, what you're doing is you're immediately kind of taking control of your fight or flight response. You're immediately taking control and saying, no, I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a breath. I'm not going to just react. And see, taking a breath is not a new concept. In fact, we can go all the way back a couple thousand years ago to one of the psalmists who just said this, be still, stop, take a breath. Psalm 46.10. But Psalm 46.10 doesn't end with just be still. But being still is the first step. Secondly, so the, the third letter of this STAR acronym, so we've said stop, take a breath. The third one is appreciate. See, this is what the psalmist goes on to say. He says, be still and know that I am God. What we want to do when we take that moment to stop, take a breath, is we want to connect ourselves back to God. And how do we do that? Appreciate. Thankfulness. See, elsewhere in the psalm, Psalm 100 verse 4, the psalmist writes that we enter into God's presence with thanksgiving and praise. Now, thanksgiving is just appreciating what's going on around us, finding something, no matter how small it is, to be thankful for. And then praise is just simply celebrating and being happy and joyful about what God has done for us already. And when we take that mindset, when we just stop, we're thankful for something, it starts helping us connect with God. Now, maybe you're here today and a friend dragged you along or you got invited and you don't know what you really think about a relationship with God or being close to Jesus or faith. That's okay. If you want, you can actually leave God out of this step and just stop, take a breath, be thankful for something. Just try to think of, you know, what's something that you can be thankful for. Now, sometimes, you know, if it's your work that has you stressed, just think, you know, I'm really thankful that I actually have a job, that I actually can work. Or, you know, maybe it's, you know, your kids are getting stressed out and sometimes we forget, you know, maybe we should just be thankful, you know, we have kids. Thankful that, you know, you know, Nikki and I, we just had our our second kid not that long ago and, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful we had just a safe, you know, regular delivery. You know, and that's something that when I'm holding Logan and he's crying his head off and I don't know what to do because, you know, he can't talk yet. And wouldn't it be so much nicer if kids could just talk from the beginning? Probably not. Um, But, but, just be thankful. Hey, you know, he's here. He, sh- he arrived safe. Like, no matter how small it is, be thankful. See, the act of being thankful starts to reframe our minds slightly. See, it's impossible 
to be overwhelmed and thankful in the exact same instant. Your brain can only focus on one of those two things at a time. So if you're feeling overwhelmed, just saying, I'm going to be thankful about something immediately turns off that overwhelmed section of your brain, even if it's just for a moment. Stop, take a breath, appreciate. But here's the thing. For those of us who know Jesus, who, for those of us who have who've made a dedication in our life that we want to follow God and we know who he is, it's not okay for us to say we're going to leave God out of the thankfulness step. But if you don't know, if you don't know where you're at, that's totally fine. That's a, a great starting place. But for those of us who would say, you know, Jesus is, is, is a deep relationship we have, that he's part of our lives, we actually have to be thankful to him because it does this second thing called orientation. Being thankful orientates us towards God. And in fact, it's almost kind of like this, this compass that we can you know, turn on and say, hey, if I'm thankful, that will help me orientate away from whatever my problem is and toward my relationship with God. That's what thankfulness does. Because ultimately, everything we have comes from God. And so being thankful helps orientate us back to that. And the fourth step of this STAR acronym is RESPOND. Respond from a place of peace and thankfulness. Now, this whole star tool, and I've run through it really quickly, but you can do this in probably like four to five seconds. You know, maybe you're at work or, you know, you're at home or something, a situation comes up and you immediately feel that that tension level and you rise. That's the moment to use star. Stop, take a breath, Find something and just instantly say, you know, I'm thankful for this situation. I'm thankful that I'm even here today. I'm thankful for whatever it might be. And then respond to it. No one is going to complain if you take three to four seconds before you respond to their question, whatever the situation is. But what this does is it immediately shifts us away from reacting into responding with intention. Because we're not just immediately saying whatever the first thing that comes to mind or whatever our emotional response is, we're actually getting control of our emotional state by going through these little four steps. See, our immediate reaction to anything, if you think the last time someone surprised you with something that wasn't good, you know, that was like, you know, a a situation came up and it surprised you, your immediate reaction is 90% of the time is something negative. You just want to say, nope, stop, hold the brakes, we're not doing that. Our immediate reaction when we react to something is negative. And no one wants to come off as angry or short-fused or short-tempered. No one wants to be portrayed that way. So that's why we have to take this moment, stop, take a breath, appreciate, and then respond with intention. Respond in a way that directs out of being stressed towards a healthier, maybe better spot to be in. And so I want to ask this first question uh, that you can respond to in the, in the YouVersion event. If you just click the link under the question, how can you respond to a situation with intention instead of reacting it? What are some other kind of things that we need to think about, things that we can do to remind ourselves to respond with intent instead of react? Now, uh, we're going to leave that. We're going to come back to it when we, when we have our discussion time at the end. And I want to talk about a second tool for critical care. So the first one is this STAR tool we just talked about. The second one is setting boundaries. And boundaries have two main purposes. 
It's about recognizing our limits. And secondly, it's about protecting what's critically important. See, none of us are Superman. You know, as much as we may wish we were or, or we tend to sometimes think we can handle anything that life throws at you, I guarantee you will at some point, maybe you have already, you'll come up against a situation where you go, I can't handle this. I can't do this. I've hit my limit of what I can take. See, every one of us has those limits. And boundaries is about recognizing those limits on the front end of saying, this is when I'm going to hit my capacity. And if I try to constantly work well beyond and past that, it starts having an effect on us. And secondly, with boundaries, is it helps us keep what's important at the center. See, there's a simple way that we can start setting boundaries. All we have to do is start by not saying yes to everything. You know, do you have that tendency? I know I certainly do, of where when someone comes to you with a question, you always want to say yes. And you're like, yeah, let's let's do that. Let's figure that out. Let's try and and see what happens. The problem is, Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Now, that no is not always verbal. Sometimes we say yes to taking on that extra project or taking on that extra responsibility. And what we don't realize is internally, we've just said no to our own health. Or we've said no to that family time that we know we're not getting enough of. Or we've said no to that time with the friends that you wanted to have, that thing that recharges you, that helps you feel rested. Whenever we say yes to something, no matter what it is, we're saying no to something else. And so setting boundaries is about recognizing what we're saying yes to and what we're saying no to. See, work is often the culprit here. Um, and what's, what's kind of... You know, everyone knows they should. You know, you should shut off your work email account at 5 o'clock or whenever you clock out at the end of the day. And uh, this, this fall is actually 10 years since I joined the staff here at the church. And this is something I have struggled with since day one. Um, and our leadership team, our elders, our MLT and Vicky, um, I can't tell you how many times I've responded to an email and then their response right back has said, why did you respond to us? Isn't this supposed to be your day off? You know, yeah, Jen's already nodding her head because she's probably the first one that calls me out on that. Um, This is a struggle for me to, you know, something comes in, it's like, oh, I just want to respond to that quickly, you know, get a response back to them. You know, even if it's something small, you know, that took 30 seconds, whatever, you know, 30 seconds, that's not a big deal. But over time, it's, you know, what happens is you're, you're mentally re-engaging. You know, you're going back to your work mindset. You're not keeping those boundaries. And I'm, I'm talking about this as someone who fails at this more than they succeed. In fact, this year, uh, I decided to try something in January um, called a fixed calendar. And so what I've done is, is I've created, I've laid out my weeks and said, okay, on Mondays at this time, that's what I'm going to work on. On, you know, Monday afternoons, this is what I'll work on in. And, You may not have um, as much control over your schedule sometimes, but you can start looking at your schedule and say, okay, what are the critical things that I need to do? And how do I schedule those to happen during the times when I'm most productive? You know, um, and even with that too, like scheduling family time, like saying, you know, this night of the week is going to be sacred and I'm going to say no to things that come up because I want to say yes to my family that night. And that's the night that we're just going to be together as a family, or, or whatever those things might be. Now, for me, it's April, middle of April. I started this in January. I'm already on my third major revision of this calendar. Um, 
where every time it's like, okay, you know, I'm good for a week. Second week, I'm maybe 50%. Third week, I'm at about, you know, 25%. Okay, now it's time to reconfigure. What were the parts that worked? What were the parts that didn't? This is an ongoing process of setting boundaries. But what it's done is on the weeks when I actually hold to this, when I actually say no to things that I should say no to, I'm not finishing up my sermon Saturday evenings. You know, those are the weeks I'm actually wrapping stuff up on Friday and I can take my Saturday and relax. See, this is hard to do. It's hard to schedule in rest. It's hard to schedule in time with family. It's hard to pre-schedule your time and saying, I'm only going to open my email account once per day. And, you know, I'll take 30 minutes there. I'll respond to whatever's there. Anything else that comes in, I'll respond to it tomorrow. It's hard to do that. Especially, you know, when your phone buzzes in your pocket every time an email comes in, you know, You have to learn those boundaries. See, here's why. Good boundaries stop regular tasks from turning into heavy burdens. When we set good boundaries, we stop those regular things that wouldn't normally stress us out from turning into heavy burdens. See, if you're here and you're saying, you know, I'm in this burnout stage. I'm feeling over my head, overwhelmed. I need a break. In that moment, star tool. Stop, take a breath, appreciate, respond. And then you've got to start looking at this thing of boundaries. What are the barriers I need to put around myself so that I can actually have the time to find health again? See, one of those things um, might be, you know, break up your to-do list. Don't look at the to-do list that's 50 items long. Make a second one that's just this week. Pull the three or four things that are critical. Slide those to this week schedule those in, do those things and say, okay, next Monday, then I'll look at the rest of the list. You know, break it down, set boundaries, whatever those tools might be that you need to do. You know, you know your schedule and you know where your schedule gets out of hand too, is you actually have to say no to some things in order to say yes to health. See, this concept of of understanding burdens um, goes back to something that Jesus taught about. In fact, if, you, uh, if you're on the YouVersion app or if you've got a Bible, you can flip to Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. And this was in response to some of Jesus' disciples talking about how hard it was to follow Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to them. He says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Now when Jesus is telling this to his disciples and the crowds that were around him, there's a couple things they would have understood right away that we sometimes need a little help to understand. Now, a yoke, if you think about you know, the olden days of plowing with oxen or horses, the yoke is the bar that sits across the shoulders that allow um, the ox or the horse um, to pull a load and to do work. Now, but a yoke also had a second meaning in Jesus' day. A yoke was considered the bulk of the teachings that a rabbi, um, which Jesus was a Jewish teacher, a rabbi would give to their disciples. The yoke meant this is the bulk of my teachings of how I say you should live and live in ways that are connected to God. And so they would understand this in both ways, that it's about carrying burdens And it's also about this mantle of teaching of the way that Jesus lived his life was his yoke that he was handing off to his disciples. 
And so he says at the end, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Now think of it maybe this way. Um, has anyone here portaged a canoe? Yeah, you've, you know what a yoke is. You know, that's the only place we really see it now because there's no real yoke on a tractor. Um, but on a canoe, there's the yoke across the middle and you kind of hoist your canoe up, you set it on your shoulders and the yoke carries the weight of the canoe across your shoulders. Now, a little while ago, my uncle um, gave us a canoe and I was, you know, thrilled. I love having a canoe. I love canoeing. It's great. So this last uh, summer, we actually took it camping and we're like, we're going to take this canoe out into the water. And I had only ever carried the canoe from like its rack in our backyard onto our camper and back and forth, you know, you know, 50 feet or so. And a yoke's not bad. Now, when I was carrying it from our campground down to the lake, which was about a kilometer downhill, I started to realize this is a terrible yoke on this canoe. It is carved completely wrong to fit my shoulders. I'm sure there's someone that has, you know, different shaped shoulders that would fit nice and it'd be comfortable. But I mean, we went like 100 meters and I can just feel it's like two points stabbing into my shoulders where this yoke just does not fit me right. And so I'm like trying to take my towel and get it under there as a padding. And, you know, we finally make it down there and we get to canoe. But, you know, as we're canoeing, I can still feel these two points where all the weight of the canoe was on two little spots the size of a loony because the yoke doesn't fit me right. See, when a yoke doesn't fit right, it makes carrying burdens hard. And in fact, if the canoe didn't have a yoke at all, I mean, how would you solo carry a canoe without a, a yoke? Maybe someone's tried it. I just, I don't know how. I was trying to figure out how could I carry this with my arms and then realize that's not going to go well. I'm just going to drop it and break it. But here's what I'm trying to get at. A proper yoke makes burdens easier. Now, when Jesus is talking to his disciples about a yoke, he's talking about how he lived his life. When he says, my yoke is easy to bear, the burden I give you is light, means that it's easy to bear when we recognize that the way Jesus lived is how he wants us to live. Now, we don't often see this in the Gospels unless we look for it, but there's all these points between the times when Jesus was meeting with people, when he was healing people, when he was um, you know, having tough discussions with the, with the religious leaders, there's all these little verses that say, and after Jesus went away into the hills to pray. You know, or there's another time when it says, you know, Jesus sent his disciples on ahead of him so that he could go off and be by himself and pray. See, even Jesus, God himself coming into the world, recognized that he needed a deep and sustaining relationship with his father, with God, in order to sustain what he was doing. If Jesus himself needs to take this time to set parameters and boundaries around himself, to take time to reconnect with God, to take time to rest and recharge. How much more do we need to do that? That's what Jesus is talking about. He says, my yoke is easy to bear, meaning it's easy to live the way he lived if we choose that that's what we want. And the burden that he gives us, whatever it is we face in life, becomes easier when we have the right yoke on our shoulders. And so I want to ask this second question. What boundaries do you need to create for yourself? What boundaries do you need to start putting in place that will help you set the limits around this that need to happen? Now, I said there was two tools, star and setting boundaries. Now I want to talk about one more thing that's really important if you're in that critical care moment of burnout. 
And that's the fact of saying, where do we need to ask for help? I don't know of anyone who has ever successfully come through burnout without talking to people and without asking for help. There's always this communal part that needs to happen where we need to be around each other. Sometimes we just need to actually ask for help. And in fact, when Paul later on was writing to the church in Galatians, he had this to say to them. He said, share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. He's saying this is a commandment. This is something we ought to do is to share each other's burdens. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. You know, really encouraging message there. But here's, there's a problem with this verse. And that's the fact that Paul could not have known that 2,000 years later we would be Canadians. See, the Canadian way is we need to be polite, don't inconvenience each other, and win at hockey. Like, you know, that's about it, right? You know, that's, that's the essence of being Canadian. See, but that first part of be polite and don't inconvenience each other means that often we don't ask for help when we should. And so, in fact, I'm going to take a liberty with this passage of Scripture because Paul didn't know that Canadians would exist. So we need to rewrite Galatians 6, verse 3 to apply to Canadians. And so this is what we need to say. If you think you are too important to ask for help, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. See, Paul said, if you think you're too important to help others, you're fooling yourself. But for us, we need to know, if you are, think you're too important to ask others for help, you're fooling yourself. And here's why. We're not meant to follow Jesus alone. We're not meant to live our lives isolated. God designed us to be in relationships and to be in community with each other because God himself is in community within himself. And that spills over to us. We all desire relational connections. And frankly, when we don't ask people for help, what you're actually doing is you're denying someone else the chance to show love the way that Jesus tells us to. When we turn down other people's help, we're preventing them from living out their faith. We're preventing them from following Jesus' example. It's not just on us. We're actually blocking other people from growing in their own faith when we don't let help happen. So, there's three pieces that we've talked about here. We've talked about star, we've talked about boundaries, and we've talked about um, asking others for help. And so now I want to shift gears, and we're going to move to our discussion questions. So I'm going to pull up um, what you guys have been putting in on the app there um, so that I can follow along, and, and I'll share some of these things. And then Tristan at the back, he's got a microphone, and he's going to walk around. And if you want to share maybe some of these questions that you weren't able to type in, um, then that way we can kind of have a conversation about this together before we wrap up. And so for this first question, uh, how can you respond to a situation with intention instead of reacting to it? Um, and a couple of points, you know, I asked that question right off the bat. A couple of you hit points that we talked about in STAR. You know, pause, say a prayer. Um, I like this, watch over your mouth before you respond. <laughs> you know, how often does your mouth move faster than your brain? You know, am I the only one with that problem? Not always. Um, by actively listening and becoming comfortable in silence, I can suppress the emotional brain and engage the thinking brain. Very well said. Um, 
uh, and, and this last one applies for all us parents. I'm not great at this, but trying to keep a calm demeanor, a quiet voice, and keep my cool. I try to practice this when my kid's having a meltdown. I've learned that more noise in this situation is counterproductive. So do all of us need to just write that on our hands, all us parents? Anyways, how about this? Tristan's going to, if you, if you want to get the mic, just, just toss your hand up. How, how else can you help remind yourself to respond with intention instead of just reacting to it? Any, any thoughts to share? We covered it with what people typed in. All right, let's move on to the second question. If you think of something, we can always come back to it. So our second question was, what boundaries do you need to create for yourself? Um, and here's, you know, here's a great one. Place phones, work and personal, in a physical location away from me after work so I can stay engaged with my family. Um, learning how to only worry or stress about what you can influence and not worrying and stressing over what you can't change. Um, Shut off my notifications. If someone really needs me, they'll call me. That's probably one I, sh- I need to start doing. Uh, what else? What are some other boundaries that you might need to create if you want to share and just toss your hand up and we'll get the mic to you? Have an accountability partner, someone you can, you know, before you take anything else on, then you can say to your spouse or your wife or your good friend or something, you know, hey, should I do this or not? I have a tendency to take on, we foster dogs, I have a tendency to want to take all the strays in, and I always have to ask him before. That's exactly right. Have an accountability, accountability partner. You know, asking for someone else's wisdom, someone that can see it, the situation, maybe some often clearer than we can. That's a huge part of setting boundaries. Um, what else? What are some other boundaries that sometimes we maybe need to create for ourselves? Any more thoughts to add? All right. Oh. I think for me, it's just often uh, practicing stopping and not responding right away. Um, I need to just give myself a little bit of time to think it through before I go ahead and say yes. Um, Seems simple, but it's not that good at it yet. Yeah, that's just it. How do you, and and recognize like, no one is going to be, you know, be upset with you if you take, say, hey, let me get back to you on that. You know, very rarely the situations we in are actually life and death. Now, if you're an ER doctor and someone's having a heart attack and you're like, I don't know what dosage, let me take five minutes, you know, maybe you got to make those calls a little quicker. But in general, we need to, like, slowing down our decision-making usually leads to better decisions. Any, any further thoughts on that one before we, we carry on to our third question here? I think a boundary that is quite often easier f- for a lot of us to jump over is like vacation time or leave time becoming semi-work time or semi-help time. Like I'm off, it's supposed to be my family time, but someone needs a hand. 
and you want to be there to help out, and it's your first intention. And I think that comes into what Alice was saying with taking the time to actually think, like, no, I've, I need vacation time to reset my own mind and, like, as much as I'd like to help so-and-so. So I think it's it's a boundary of time, but it's also a boundary of, like, respect the fact that if you're on vacation or you're on leave, it's, it's vacation and leave. It's not can I help out or do something else. And that's, that's where this gets really tricky in this how do we be a community that cares and loves for each other but not to the point where it's detrimental to us. And sometimes, you know, I've done it where someone said, hey, can you help me with this? I said, well, can I help you, you know, later? Can I help you when, you know, at this time when I actually have the space and can do that? And so that's one of the ways of sometimes doing that. But again, it's, it's setting that priority is the, the critical piece guarding my health and my family or is it saying yes to every request that comes in? And, and it's a balance. It's a struggling point to figure out what you say yes to and what you don't. Um, Tristan, there was another one up right up front here to, to add to on this. What are boundaries to create? Um, and then we're going to move on to our third question. You're just saying that it's important to have safe friends to begin with mm-hmm. when you're setting boundaries. I'm yeah. not sure what to add to that. but Well, and, that, and that's true. Sometimes, you know, if... and. And this is where it gets tough sometimes when, when you're the first response when anyone's in crisis. You know, sometimes yeah. you have to say, okay, you know, one time is a crisis. If this is every week, you know, now there's some deeper things that we need to focus on and we need to look at. Why, why is this crisis happening? And that's, that's kind of more what we're going to get into next week in terms of the longer-term treatment. How do we get to the root parts of this? Um, and so for this third one, what are some practical ways that you can care for someone who's in burnout? Um, you know, being calm in their presence, reminding them to relax and then help them, um, listening to what they have to say, give them permission to say no. Oftentimes we feel like we have to say yes, but giving someone permission to say no. Um, identify what they think is their crucial need. Even if you disagree, help them tackle that first. You know, get the big things, you know, kind of on a, a starting path to, to finding some health and some boundaries first. Um, and here's, here's an interesting one. Avoid putting your expectations on someone who's in burnout. You may not understand the true nature of what they're facing. You know, sometimes we only have a partial picture, and so are we open to saying this might be bigger than we think it is? So how about, um, let's just open this just for a couple moments. Um, is there any more kind of, what are some practical ways we can care and be that community around someone who is in burnout? Sometimes uh, I work shift work and stuff, and if somebody has uh, something they really, really need because of uh, trauma or something, I always offer to adjust my schedule and stuff to help them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes we have to be flexible in order to help others. This probably relates to the first question more than the other one. Earlier on in my career, I had one of those very bad, no good, horrible days. And at the end of the day, I was feeling fairly sorry for myself as I was uh, taking off my work clothes. And uh, out of nowhere popped this verse from Ephesians into my mind. First, uh, no, sorry, Ephesians. First Thessalonians 5.18. In every situation, give thanks. And my immediate response was, you're kidding, God. for me, that's been one of the key things over the years is find things to be thankful for when you think there is nothing. 
Exactly. That's, that's the most crucial part of the whole star tool. Like if you just stop, take a breath, respond, you're missing that stage of reorientating. And, and just like you said there, in all situations, give thanks. Being thankful reorientates us to where we want to be focused on. So let's just, I just want to recap um, this kind of conversation. And I want to add one last kind of one more thing on this. If you're saying, I'm burnt out, I don't know what to do. Here's the critical care steps. You've got to change your response, and that's the STAR tool. Respond with intention instead of a reaction. Sometimes we have to change our boundaries, and that might mean making new ones for a first step. But we also need to change our mindset. And this means becoming okay with asking people for help, but it also means that we need to take control of our internal dialogue. Sometimes we think, you know, I'm burnt out, I'm stressed, and we just have that constant, you know, loop playing in our mind. I want to challenge you this week. Try changing that. If you're thinking, I'm burnt out, I'm stressed, I'm overwhelmed, add, but I can recover. Add, but I'm making changes. Add on, but I'm setting boundaries. Just that little mental shift to say, I may be stressed and overwhelmed, but I can make changes. See, it's not working harder that solves burnout. It's doing things differently. And so that's what we need to focus on. And so next week, uh, we're going to take this to the next step. We're going to talk about long-term treatment. What is the treatment to take us away from that critical moment towards finding health and balance? And then the week after that, we're going to wrap up. We're going to talk about rehabilitation. How do you become burnout-proof? Um, so let's take a moment. I just want to pray for us uh, before, we, before we close our service. Heavenly Father, thank you that you know the depths of our emotional states. You know our mental state. You know our physical health. You know our our spiritual health too. And God, we know that you desire us to be whole and complete and to find that in you. And so Father, as we go this week, um, maybe we're in that crisis state. Maybe we're not. Or maybe it's something that's past us or something we see on the horizon that we're, we're racing towards burnout. Would you help us see those moments? And in those times, would you prompt us to do something like the STAR tool, to stop and reconnect with you. You know, with this you know, memory of what we talked about pop in our minds in the moments that it's needed so that we can reconnect with you and respond with intention. Father, I pray that you would guide us uh, and bless us as a community, that you would reveal your presence to us as we wrestle through whatever it is that has us stressed or burnt out. And may we find peace in your presence in this. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.